This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 487 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Hi, Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is from Julie Firstman. Julie is widely recognized as one of the nation's leading counselors and litigators in equine law. Her law practice crosses all equine breeds and disciplines and serves a wide range of equine professionals and associations. She is the author of several books on equine law for lawyers as well as laypersons like you and I. In addition, she has written over 200 articles on equine law, and her articles have been published in magazines that include Equus, Horse Illustrated, and Staple Management. Julie's tip today is on equine liability laws, and this is part one of a two-part series. But first, before we get to today's tip, let's hear a word about our sponsor, EquestrianCollections.com. When horse folks need quality, name-brand products for themselves, their horses, or their stables, they go to EquestrianCollections.com. Why, you may ask? Because of the astounding variety of top names in equestrian products that can be found there. EquestrianCollections.com knows you want products you can count on, and they have thousands of them available at competitive prices. And they don't stop there. You can also take advantage of savvy shopper emails, rider rewards programs, and even special unlimited shipping programs. No matter whether you jump in the meter 15 classes, chase equitation points all the way to Congress or the National, or just enjoy big sky country aboard your horse, Equestrian Collections has name brand products, knowledgeable people, and great service that you need to enjoy your horse time to the fullest. EquestrianCollections.com Now, enjoy today's tip. And welcome, Julie Firstman. Haven't seen you in a while. How you been? I have been wonderful. How about you? I've been keeping very busy. Uh, now that Glenn has pawned Horse Tip Daily off on me, I, I don't really have a life anymore. I just sit here and process sound files all day long. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> welcome to my world. Yeah. Well, you know, even in this day of, t- in t- of with technology and, and all the geeky stuff we have, has the lawyering business been changed a great deal because of the technology we have or is it still a lot of rifling through books and shuffling papers oh for lawyers we've got a lot of information that we get online but those are through subscription paid services Um, but lots of people out there people listening probably find that they can go online and put a couple of words in and who knows what kind of articles and information they get Uh, so a lot of information is available out there but Lawyers don't use books so much anymore. A lot of us just turn right to our computers and get a lot of our research done that way. Plus, we can file things with the court by the computer. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) That's a nice thing. Our messengers don't like it, but we do. Uh, do Does your law firm use the little guys on the bicycles? Uh, No, not bicycles. It is such a long distance. They're driving away in their cars and trucks. Oh, so you're, you're out. In the more suburban area where the little bicycle dude isn't there? No, unfortunately. They'll stick around in New York City and downtown Chicago. I just thought those were cool. You see them in the TV commercials, little bike dude going, Yeah, sorry. True. <laughs> sorry, I digress. See, Glenn's giving me ADD. He has, it's, it's catchy. 
<laughs> but today, to get to the topic on hand, we are going to talk a little bit about equine activity liability laws. Now, where, where are we going to start with that one? I think we can start with um, what they do and what we need to be aware of about okay. liability because of these laws. Okay. Uh, we probably know, and I'm sure you do, that 46 states now have some form of an equine activity liability law. 46? Wow. 46. The ones that don't, in case you were curious, would be California, Nevada, Maryland, and New York. Hmm. How about that? That means that, yeah, overwhelming majority do. And the laws often have similar features, but they all differ. And I guess if there's one point to take away, it is take a look at the law where you, in the state where you live and where you do business. Because it's those, that law, those laws that are the ones uh, that are impacting the way you, you do business and Sometimes even the way, if you're a backyard person, uh, the way you uh, have people around on your property. So the, the laws can have a pretty important effect on you. Uh, but the most important thing is that people think these are zero liability laws. They're really not. They start off in the general form, because, again, they all differ. But they start off saying that the participant or a participant's representative can't sue if they're injured from an inherent risk of an equine activity. Sounds pretty attractive when you see that kind of language. Yeah. Participant, yeah. A participant in equine activity varies state by state. Typically, it's a person who's riding, uh, driving uh, near a horse, uh, even attending certain activities where horses take place. Uh, but the laws get a bit tricky on that, and I think uh, I'll hold the thought right now that the laws do tend to apply to people who are riding and driving horses pretty much. States differ on driving, but for the most part, you've got to be doing something actively connected with the equine. Uh, but that's the uh, kind of the good news, but then there's the bad news. Uh-oh. The bad news is that, uh, yeah, here we go, and I'll keep it brief. Um, of the states with equine liability laws, there tends to be a pattern with six exceptions, six things that people can sue for if they are injured um, from an equine activity. I'll read them off, and uh, if you want, we can kind of go through them. But the, the first one is faulty tack or equipment. And that applies if you provide equipment or tech and you knew or you should have known that there was a problem with it and somebody got hurt from it. Um, and the next one is uh, the one that people are suing for probably in the most number. And that's an exception that tends to read this way. It says that you could be liable, possibly, if you provide a horse uh, or, or an equine, because we know equines encompass more than just a horse. It could be a pony, sometimes donkeys, mules, and other animals. But the exception provides that you could be liable if you provide a horse and you fail to make reasonable and prudent efforts to determine the participant's ability to safely manage that horse. Lots of litigation on that one. Mm. Uh, the next, uh, next exception, uh, it's probably the third of the six, if you are providing an equine activity and you own, rent, lease, or, in, or, or are in lawful possession of land or facilities with a dangerous latent, and that's non-obvious condition, so dangerous latent condition of the land that you didn't warn somebody about with a warning sign. That's another exception, and there have been some lawsuits on that one. Uh, so the, so if your next-door neighbor owns a, a uh, pride of lions right next to your riding <laughs> arena, you should tell everybody who rides in that arena, oh, by the way, 
there is a pride of lions next door. Well, on the plus side, nobody has to tell anyone because you're going to hear those things. On the other <laughs> hand, too, I wouldn't say that's a non-obvious condition, unless you wouldn't see the lions because they're caged close to where the horses are going, yeah. and they're just going to let out a nasty roar and scare the daylights out of a horse. Well, uh, I actually got to experience that one because Did one of the horse think? show venues we used to go to as kids was adjacent to a small zoo. But there was a thin strip of property in between. It was maybe 20 feet that was completely wooded and um, uncleared. So it was 25 years worth of brush and trees. So there was no seeing through it. So when people would come to that venue unaware that there was a zoo 30 feet away and one of the lions decided to roar or one of the peacocks decided to do what peacocks do, uh, there were some really interesting reactions Oh, my goodness. Probably yeah. some interesting little bumps, bruises, broken bones, and whatever else. Yeah, especially those naughty little ponies. Uh, yeah, but I can think of some horses that would be terrified. <laughs> you've you've um, had that horse? No, well, yeah, the horses that were afraid of uh, their own shadow. So you yeah. put a lion or a peacock near them, and they're, they're in the next town. It's over. In the next country. Right. Uh, but that's an exception people have been suing for on the dangerous latent condition of land issue. Next exception is for gross negligence or willful and wanton misconduct. And that's an ex- a higher uh, degree of wrongdoing. What I'm finding is people raise that if there's a liability release involved, because most states say that you can't release those kinds of things away. Uh, so that, that's where you find that exception cropping up. Two more exceptions. Next one is intentional misconduct. I haven't seen that raised at all because, uh, to be honest with you, I don't think people are going to do anything intentionally to hurt anybody. At least I hope not among the readership in this uh, in this group here. And so you so it's it's hard to prove somebody um, jumped up and down and screamed and yelled at your green three year old you were lunging in the arena on purpose. Be great if that were caught on video. There but you I go. I would have an easy, easy time proving if you took me for a trail ride and you put a burr under the saddle of your meanest horse and you watched me get on and go bucking down the, uh, down the arena and just laughed your head off, I think that would possibly be intentional, and I'd be going after you. <laughs> there we go. So the beware, beware the cell phone. That's right, the cell phone camera. There you it go. does it every time. The final right. exception, though, um, is found in, believe it or not, several states with equine liability laws, and that's an exception for negligence. And long story, but negligence is essentially failure to do something that reasonable, pe- reasonable people do or not doing what reasonable people should do. And the mm-hmm. law before these equine liability laws for liability was negligence, and yet it reappears in the laws in several states. Um, so odd, I think. Yeah, so with negligence, that one seems to me the grayest of them in that um, a horseback riding operation in South Texas that is 45 miles from the nearest Walmart. It's really in the middle of nowhere, and they teach up-down lessons to four kids a month. That person, personally, might have a slightly different standard of safety, what he feels should be done in order to be not negligence, than a highly busy show stable in Boston, Massachusetts, that teaches up-down lessons to kids who are going to be showing in the A circuit 150 times a month. So that 
that what, the, what that person feels is negligent is going to be liable to be different, isn't it? Absolutely it is. And as an attorney who practices equine law and handles equine liability cases around the country, I can tell you, you've hit a very important issue. Negligence is unclear. It's hard to define. Everybody has a different uh, perception of what is and isn't negligence. And the standards really can vary. Uh, and that's one of the many headaches associated with liability under negligence, which is why it's kind of nice in the states with equine liability laws that don't have that exception it's nice because you have a better idea of what liabilities really are. You're not in that gray area. But that is the state of the law, and uh, there are about uh, 12 states or so, 10 to 12 states with negligence exceptions in their law. Well, that's very interesting. That's that's nice to have those all lined up in front of you. And the uh, take-home message I get from that one is cross your T's, dot your I's, tighten your girths, and put on your helmet. <laughs> that would help everybody. Always there we go. <laughs> well, that covers the, the first part of equine activity liability laws, and thank you very much, Julie. That was wonderfully clear, and um, actually something about equine law makes more sense now. That's a first for me, and uh, we're going to take up this topic in our next uh, tip, so tune in next time, folks. Thanks a lot, Julie. Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, there you go. To listen to all of Julie's tips, just go to horsetipdaily.com and go to the Experts drop-down menu on the left. All of our experts are right there, alphabetized and easy to find. You can also go to Julie's blog at www.equinelawblog.com. Please stop by the Horse Tip Daily Facebook page and let us know what you think of the tips you hear on the show. It's also a great place to tell us about topics you'd like to hear us cover. You can subscribe to all of the great shows of the Horse Radio Network through iTunes or Zoom and get your horse podcasts automatically downloaded to your iPod, Zoom, or MP3 player. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, go ride your horse! The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily.